0: There are some dates that live long in the memory, more than others. Uh, we're coming up to a year anniversary from when the Springboks beat England last year. Come on, who remembers that date? Oh, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We will crush the enemy under our feet. Jesus' name. But also, I remember the date, the 20th of April, 2013, like it was yesterday. It was a day that I'll remember long in my heart because I remember I didn't sleep or wink the night before. Because that next day, I was going to ask one of the prettiest girls I'd ever seen out. So she would become my girlfriend. So I planned the day. I remember I was so excited what there was going to be. At, the, at first light, we got, were going to pick her up. And we went to a, a cafe on Blowberg Beachfront. You know, local is lacquer. I thought, why not? And the view was spectacular. It was a postcard view. The, the sky was amazing. My hair was looking as good as that video. It was just, you know, I was looking good. The day was good. The breakfast was brilliant, and the conversation was amazing. This girl was fluttering her eyelashes at me suggestively, and I knew. This is good. And then there came the lull in the conversation. I thought, here's your moment, Gabe. Here's your moment. And I started sweating, started getting nervous, and that moment came, and that moment went, and I said, could you have the check, please? I could see her confusion, and all right. Okay. I was like, no, no, but stick with me. And we got in the car, and we, we drove. I had a day planned out. I remember, you know. Telling yourself, Gabe, you chickened out of that moment. Gabe, that was your moment. And we went on, and the day carried on. We got found at lunchtime. We met up with some of her friends at um, the roundhouse in Camps Bay, overlooking Camps Bay. Beautiful. A live jazz band were playing. Her friends were there. The friends were dropping hints. So you guys look so good together. You no, know, they'll say, I'm like, you know, confidence rising up again. This it was incredible. The view was spectacular. And that's talking about me. Camps uh, Bay was also looking brilliant. But the day was amazing. I was like, here we go. The friends disappeared at just the right moment. And I was like, here we go, Gabe. Here we go. Here we go. You know, this is the moment you trained for. And the moment came. She looked at me again. She leant and I leant and I said, could we have the bill, please? And I remember going, oh, you, you, are, you are useless, Gabe Phillips. You know when you start doing that self-talk? You know, come on, man. Got in the car, driving back. Now the conversation's awkward because she's like, what has gone on here? There's been moments and you've not taken them. And we're going, we're on the R27 coming back home. And we're driving past Sunset Beach, and I remember saying in my, my own head, I was going, I cannot drop her off and leave this still another day. It has to be today. I have to do it. Now, the day is getting darker. <laughs> it was winter time, April. Clouds had gathered, starting to drizzle. And I pulled over into Sunset Beach uh, garage, the engine garage. Some of you may be familiar with it. And I picked up two ice creams. We went to the beachfront there, and it started to rain a little bit. <laughs> and not pretty rain. This was like cold rain, and she's like, I, I didn't bring a jacket, I didn't expect to still be, here. I'm like, just wait here please, just wait, I've got something I need to say, and, and all this emotion, all this, uh, the perfect moments have gone by, I'm thought i not letting this moment pass by, I took a deep breath, I looked at her, and I said words that put Wordsworth and Shakespeare to shame, I said, will you be my girlfriend? <laughs> this morning I want to say my name is Gabe Phillips, and uh, that girl that I asked out the day is my wife Fiona Phillips, and uh, since that moment we've had two children, it's been uh, one of the best decisions I've ever made was to make sure that I did not let that moment pass me by. It was not ideal circumstance, it was not the most uh, poetic moment, but actually, it's actually not in the moment, it was in the decision that led to my future. And with that in mind, I want to tell you, I believe significantly that we are at a significant moment in the life of Christians. In present day living, these are the most significant days we are living in. And I want to say this, maybe it doesn't feel like ideal circumstances to make big decisions. Maybe it feels perfect times to back away, to move down, settle down, count the cost, hold it back, and say, actually, maybe not in this moment, but I really believe pastorally and prophetically, we are standing on the cusp of something great. I really believe it. How do I know this? because you just have to follow the track record of God whenever there's a shaking, politically, economically, financially, emotionally. The Bible tells us that He will shake everything that needs to be shaken so that the people of God will be able to rise up in that moment. And I believe that's today. I want to give you a spoiler alert. At the end of this meeting today, I'm going to ask every single one of you, including myself, to make a decision. So strap yourselves, and I believe God is going to do something significant, whether in the room here today or online. Welcome to church. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the privilege of gathering together as your people. Whether it's online or whether it's in the room, I thank you, Jesus, that you are here with us. And your word is passing us by. Passing us by. No matter where we find ourselves in lives, in our life, in our stories, in our faith, I thank you in this moment we get the decision to choose to lay a hold of your word and apprehend it for our lives. And I pray, God, today, would you not just warm hearts by your word, would you change hearts forever? I thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Why don't you turn to somebody next to you, if you're in the room or if you're online, type this in the chat. Tell them, today is my day. Say it with as much conviction as you can. I want to help us navigate our way through this morning with a character named Jeremiah. Uh, He's a a prophet that is found in the Old Testament, and his story starts off in remarkable fashion. As a young man, Jeremiah chapter 1, if you want to go read it at home, it's the call of Jeremiah, where God connects with Jeremiah and speaks truth to him and calls him out of his life, what he had planned for his life, and said, I've got a different destiny for you. I've got a different agenda for you. And God speaks to him and says, Jeremiah, I'm going to use you in ways that are so profound that actually I'm going to put my words in your mouth. And as you speak, nations are going to be built up and nations will be teared down. That is how much authority you'll have in your voice as you partner with me. And I can imagine as a young man myself, you know, I can imagine Jeremiah going, me and God, we're taking on the world. In that moment, I can imagine him seeing uh, visions of grandeur. He's got got book deals and he can see his face on TBN, you know in between all the big shots. You know, you can see his face with his wife on a billboard. Jeremiah Ministries International. You can see his car parking space at the front of a massive mega church building. This guy can see it unfolding in front of him. He's like, I'll even be the, I'll be the Billy Graham of our generation. I'll be on talk shows. Jimmy Fallon, here I come. Me and God. Jeremiah, we're gonna do great things together. If you keep reading the book of Jeremiah, as you turn that page from chapter one to chapter two, all the way through the rest of the book, it feels like everything does not go according to plan. From the very get-go, Jeremiah gets up and he goes, speaks to the people of God who God has sent him to. And as he speaks to him, every time he speaks, it seems like they don't listen. They don't repent. And what's worse, they actually look and turn around to him and tell him to, shut up. He's like the younger little brother that just won't stop talking. I know, I was that brother. (laughs) But they shut up. They tell him, back down. Please settle down. Move away from this thing. This is dread. We don't want to hear it. But Jeremiah holding on to the word. The opposition comes, but he resolutely decides, actually, opposition may come, but I'm going to still step up to the opportunity again and again, take God, what he's spoken, and bring the word to the people, no matter how they receive it. So he keeps bringing it. And if for, for time's sake, the story just gets worse and worse and worse for Jeremiah. No longer they just tell him to shut up. They're actually tying him up, beating him up, and putting him at the, the g- outside the gate of the city walls and mocking him. Chapter 1, all the way through, just doesn't seem to make sense. It just, this is his day in and day out. He becomes a laughingstock to the nation. He becomes the, the punchline to a joke. He becomes that irritating figure that just does not know time and place. But this guy is trying to be obedient to God, but it just seems like everything has gone wrong. So much so, he gets to a, a place in chapter 20, we after years of this abuse, it seems, at the hands of the, of the people. He is so frustrated with what has gone in front of him. And he's actually transferred that and says, God, this is, this is on you. He said, you told me that this would go well. And look where we've got. And in chapter 20, Jeremiah uses this word. He's, uh, the, 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 the root translation of the word is he turns to God and says, God, you have seduced me. He says that to God. He says, it seems like you have seduced me. Told me one thing and bait and switch. And I don't know if anyone's ever felt like that before. 2020 might have felt like that for a lot of us. Promises over businesses, over life, over futures. And it feels like, God, what are you doing? He gets so frustrated. Jeremiah sits on, 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 in, the, in the dirt and he curses his mother for giving birth to him. This is when you know you've had a bad day. He curses the doctor who delivered him. And he curses the guy who came in and said, it's a boy. Literally, he curses the guy who brought the cigars to the hospital. Stuff him! <laughs> he's cursing God, he's cursing everyone. The day I was born, and I love how God meets him in this place. God doesn't meet him with a pep talk. God doesn't meet him with, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, my boy. He has another, let me rub you on the head. Come sit and relax on the couch. I'll get, what, what Netflix show would you want? You deserve a break. No, God meets him. He shakes, all, every shaking is done to bring us to make another decision. And in this moment, God says, actually, cool, Jeremiah, I hear you, but I need you to now go down to a place called Ben Hinnom. Ben-Hinom, which is the rubbish dump. It's translated Gehenna, the, the rubbish dump. And it's a place where there was burning sulfur and ca- rotten carcasses. So God's basically saying, Jeremiah, I need you to go lower still. Go down to ben Himon and I want you to go, and I want you to buy a pot, a clay pot. And I want you to walk down there with a clay pot and call the men, the people of the nation together at this place in Gehenna. And I want you to say to them, rebuke them again. He's like, Jeremiah's like, Again. Warn them that if they do not repent of their sins, if they do not give up the, the terrible practices of the enemy that they've brought in, of child sacrifice and, and, and maligning the poor and, and, being, and the, the despicable practices that they are putting in place, if they do not change their ways, tell them that I will smash their nation like you are going to smash that pot. And in that moment, I want you, Jeremiah, to smash the jar. Smash it. And Jeremiah goes, if I do that... They're going to smash me, God. I'll be done. I'll be done. And God leads them to this moment in not ideal circumstances, actually, but you're going to have to make another decision. A smash the jar moment where you're saying, I'm not going back. I, it's a crossing the line moment. I can either give up and pander to the voice of man in this moment, or I can actually say, God, I'm going to smash the jar. I'm not going back. And this incredible story gets us to this place. And I, I want to say that this, this narrative about Jeremiah, I would love to tell you that it went well. He smashes the jar, and then they smash him. They literally smash him, beat him up, and put him in a pit until the Babylonians, who he's prophesied, the Babylonians will come and take you into captivity. The Babylonians do come and take the people of God into captivity, and guess who goes with them? Jeremiah. It's so unfair, but he goes with them. And you follow the rest of his book. He does not get uh, treated well, does not get good response. He even writes the book of Lamentations where he moans some more. But at the very end of Lamentations, he says this one line. He says, but great is thy faithfulness. Basically saying, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. You see, I want to lead us to this moment that actually I believe that God is leading us to moments here today. Smash the jar moments where you and I have to make decisions. Are we going to count the cost? Or we're going to follow the call are we people who are going to lay hold of the call of God or given to our conveniences uh, what do I mean by that I mean practically I think some of us are sitting in relationships and marriages where it's, it's the, 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 the rubbish has hit the fan or it feels like the straining of the season is really pulling us apart and we are making decisions about which way to go this way or that way and and it seems like it's not convenient it's not easy anymore but we have to make a decision will we smash the jar or will we go with the flow there's some people here who, with, uh, I think in this, in this environment, who are, are people who have got family responsibilities, who made decisions to look after family members. Saying, actually, I'll look after them. I'll always look after this family member. You've, you've said your word, but then COVID has hit, and now you're trying to back away from agreements you've made. Will you smash the jar, or you'll stick with the convenience? In businesses, you said that this our business will always honor God this way. We'll always do this, but this, year it's different, Gabe. Okay? The pressures are different. You don't get it. Will you go lower still, smash the jar, will you count the cost? I, I think in these moments, I, I really believe that God is, there's people, you've made promises to God. You've, God's reminding you now of ministries. You said, I want to go and, and I want to do this ministry. God has called you to ministries, but you put it on the back burner because you said, this year has been too much. This season's too much. My sin is too great. I'm too disqualified. When God, again, you come to Him and you're sulking, God, why? And He says, go lower still, smash the jar. I want to say there's this incredible quote by A.W. Tozer says, Outside of the will of God, there is nothing I want. Inside the will of God, there is nothing I fear. Outside the will of God, there is nothing I want. Inside the will of God, there is nothing I fear. Today is a smash the jar type of day. If we keep reading the Bible, you flip a few pages, again to the Gospels. We find in Mark chapter 14, this incredible narrative about Jesus being at a party. And he's reclining there with the, the who's who of the day, the, the big wigs, the Pharisees, the, the, the main men of the day, and they're having this incredible party. But there's this woman, the Bible tells us, who's walking by. And a woman of ill repute, a woman who's got a, a backstory that would put 50 shades of gray to shame. A woman who's given herself for best years to lusts. And to, to to you can imagine her backstory, one of this disaster and pain and abuse and turmoil. But it says she walks past this party, but something draws her into this moment. And she walks into this moment, and the Bible tells us that she walks in holding an alabaster jar, clutching a jar, a jar filled with perfume. Well, how, how does a prostitute pay for perfume? From her sin, a jar that represents her past. Her sin, but it's also something that she has saved up for. This represents her security and her future. The potential of getting out of this life in this one jar is her past and her future. And the Bible says she comes trembling in and the voice of the enemy starts to speak. Who is she? Why is she here? Who brought her here? And the whole room goes silent. And it's awkward. And it's uncomfortable. And it's the lowest space she could ever go in trembling. She walks into this room. With the jar. And the Bible says she does not look left or right or listen to the voices of the people around her. Her eyes are fixed on Jesus, and Jesus doesn't say a word. He doesn't comfort her with polite little things that's going to be okay. Don't worry. Come here. No, he just lets her respond because every shaking is for a decision to be made. And as she walks in holding the jar, the Bible says she smashed the jar. Smashed the jar, and the oil, the perfume poured out. She lavishly poured it out upon Jesus, and people said it could have been given to the way to the poor. This is a waste. But Jesus says, every time I preach the gospel, every time someone preaches the gospel, this woman will be remembered. Why? Why? Now, I want to say today, would in this moment, this moment for this lady in that smashing the jar, it was her saying, "I'm trading my past, I'm trading my potential future, and say, Jesus, you re- rewrite my story." I'm not holding the pieces together any longer. I'm not holding the pieces any longer. You rewrite the story, Jesus. I'm not hiding, masking my stench anymore. I'm not using that perfume just to make sure I can cover up the way I've just been. I'm not using it to hide my shame or hide my secrets. It's all out on the floor. Would you prize the call more than convenience? And also, would you prize the call more than your compromise? I think there's a decision, a smash the jar day. People have been trailing around pasts and things and failures and habits and addictions and the secrets, and you've been cloaking it up, dressing up. You've been saying this is what it is, but actually God says, no, I need you to go lower still. Smash the jar. I believe this is the type of day that we are at together. I want to tell you about a man named Jesus. Jesus was sent by the Father, Like Jeremiah, the word of God sent to a people who did not listen, who did not repent, who did not respond, but who actually maligned him, rebuked him, gossiped about him, beat him up, and eventually crucified him. Jesus, the greater version of Jeremiah, the word of God came and it was not received. And he came the night before he was about to be betrayed, the night before he went to the cross, he had a smash the jar moment sweating to the point of blood coming from his pores as he is at this moment, the weight of the sin of the world coming in, the darkness of the world coming upon him. And he says, Father, please let this cup, Father, please let this bowl, Father, please let this jar, let this moment pass before me. But he says, not my will be done. Not my will be done, but yours be done. And Jesus in that moment smashed the jar. He smashed the jar as he made that decision. Actually, I'm not going to hold on. I'm going to smash the jar, and the Scriptures tell us something even better. The Bible says that not only did he make a decision, he became the jar. He became the jar, and on the cross, He was smashed. He was crushed. He was pierced. He was smited for our iniquities, for our sin, for our rebellion, for our shame, for our compromise, for our convenience. He was smashed, and as He was broken, not holding anything back, the blood of Jesus poured out, poured out to the lowest level to the broken place, to the place of our lowest convenience, the place of our lowest compromise. That is where his blood flowed and has never stopped flowing because his body was broken so we could be made whole. This is the good news of the gospel. It's a smash the jar day, not because I'm saying make big decisions. I'm saying because he made a big decision. And in light of that, we live our lives like that. 2 Corinthians chapter four, as I bring this to close, the apostle Paul speaks about you and I. And he says this, we have a treasure inside of every one of us. Maybe you have compromised. You have compromised and you've gone the whole hog. And you wish today your head is in shame. And you wish you could replay that day. And you say you've compromised or you've given it to convenience. You've allowed your convictions to just go with the flow. And you're saying, I'm so far gone. But the apostle Paul looks at you and he says, but you still have a treasure. There's a treasure inside of you. But he says, but you are a jar of clay. Corinthians 4 says, we have this treasure hidden in jars of clay. And I want to tell you, you can hold on to your jar. You can nurse your jar. You can nurse your convenience. You can nurse your future. You can nurse your relationships. You can nurse your habits. You can nurse your shame. You can keep it here or you can smash the jar and let the treasure out. The world deserves a broken church, a smashed church, because it has a smashed Savior. Not a church holding to their strength. Not a church revolting, but a church saying actually we hold to the gospel. It's our only hope. It's our only victory. It's our only place. It's a place of surrender. Can we stand to our feet, please?